What's up? It's episode 58, pain points of wealth and profits this earnings season are phenomenal. Companies are beating estimates by a landslide and it doesn't matter. Supply chain issues, labor costs are going up. It's all inflationary, but guess what? These companies just keep raising prices on you and me, which making their profits go through the roof. So what does this mean between now and the end of the year? This market continues to go higher. Are we going to finally get that correction in stocks, that big sell-off that Wall Street's been telling us about? We're going to give you our vantage point, exactly what you should be doing strategically between now and the end of the year. And on the tipping point today, Bob, Chris, and I are going to drop some of our best wisdom or knowledge on you when it comes to your financial independence plan. We're going to give you some insights that you can apply to your portfolio, your financial plan to get you on track to be financially independent. Stay tuned. Hop to it. We got a great show. Let's hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey guys, another great week. Stock market, new record high in a lot of different indices. We had inflation higher on the week, oil higher on the week. Things are looking pretty rosy out there, but everybody's worried. Everybody's looking for a correction. Every phone call I get, Bob, when's the big drop coming? I don't know. Do you guys know when that's going to happen? It's going to happen soon, right? Well, Dad, like you, I did two reviews for my clients this week, and both of them said to me point blank, should we be going to cash now because everything is just terrible? And I said everything Ryan just said. I said, you know, everything's great. He's like, well, don't you watch the news? I said, well, no. I said, I watch the markets and I see what's going on. You know, thank goodness for the news. I mean, literally, it's just like it's keeping all that negativity up. It's keeping people from investing. And as we know, when everyone's the most negative and everyone's most tepid about the stock market, well, that tends to be the most bullish sign because expectations get lowered. And we're seeing that this quarter with profits, everything comes in better than expected. Well, then all of a sudden markets go higher because we're all expecting the worst to happen. And it just seems like we're just not out of that mindset right now. Everyone's just so, so negative. You know what's real, guys, is inflation. It's something that everybody seems to be trying to deny, saying it's transitory, not so transitory. It's going to go up. It's going to stick around. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. But just take a look at the cost of doing business right now. Look at the cost of energy. Look at oil. Oil right now is in the mid 80s. You know, a year and a half ago, the futures market priced the barrel of oil at a negative. Think about that. A negative $37. You couldn't even put your oil everywhere. It was sitting in tankers out on the coast. Now we've got an $85 a barrel. They're telling us there's a shortage uh, and it's going to keep going higher. How could it be $30 a year ago and we had no problems? And a year later, it's $85. And it's like, oh my goodness, there's never going to be enough. Man, what a difference a year makes, Dad. I actually was talking to a client of mine this week. We were doing their review. And every year for the last five years, he always says, you know, Chris, I'm really happy with everything in the portfolio, except that darn pipelines indexes, which is basically oil and natural gas pipelines, uh, companies that own oil and natural gas pipelines. And this year we sat down, he said, Chris, man, everything looks great. He's like, oh, I love those oil and natural gas pipelines that we own. You know, why don't we own more of that? And I pointed out to him, I said, you know, that's the one thing that you've complained about every single year and had to fight tooth and nail for you to put money into those things. He's like, well, man, I'm really glad you're running my money. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how the world changes. To your point, Bob, it's like, okay, all of a sudden, how do we not have enough supply of oil? The world's been awash in oil. And I love a good conspiracy. And I know a lot of people are saying, or the experts are saying, well, the Biden administration is limiting production. 
But I have a different theory on this. I think there's just worldwide collusion going on. All the big energy companies are like, you know what? We're making a lot more money when oil's over $80 a barrel. Maybe all of us should just chill out on that production side of things and let's not go crazy on producing too much oil right now because when the price is at 30, that's not great for profits or negative. It's terrible for profits. So I suspect here there is big manipulation going on. And I think all these global oil companies all together are very, very happy to slow down the production and keep those prices up. You know, what's a little frightening is that our government, right, led by Janet Yellen, old Aunt Janet, you know, Secretary Treasurer, and then Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell are both kind of in denial about this inflation that's here, right? First they denied it, then they say it's transitory. Now they're saying, it's, oh, it's going to be over next year. You know, we have a lot of issues, right? That supply disruption hasn't been going on for a couple of days. It's been like a year and a half now. Now, you guys weren't really around thinking about this, but when we had the last oil spike, we had that oil embargo, it only lasted four months, right? And we had that inflationary spiral that started back then. This has gone on now for a year and a half. Think of the implications of that. Inflation's real. It's sticky. It's going higher. It's not going to be hyperinflation like the 70s and 80s, God forbid. But I don't know why the government is in such denial about this. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got a client of mine that works for a fabrication company. They build refrigeration units for the pharmaceutical industry. And he was saying, one, they can't get material. And two, they can't get people. He said that the people that manage the company are throwing at everything but the kitchen sink at people to come back to work and they just can't get anybody. So, you know, anybody says it's transitory is crazy because it's not. Yeah, but you know, look at the problems I see. Look at all these different new accounts that we're bringing in every month, the portfolios we're reviewing. None of these investors have any hedge whatsoever built into their portfolio for unexpected inflation. It's amazing. Well, it is amazing because, you know, unless you're living under a rock right now, we now finally know, okay, inflation is real. It's not transitory and it's running at like four or 5%, depending on what measure you look at. And it's a great point. Like everyone needs to be thinking about how do I hedge against inflation in my portfolio? And it's just like not being done right now. And, you know, it's kind of an interesting time though, right? Because we have prices going up on everything and companies are acknowledging like, hey, we've got problems here, right? This is a big problem for us too. And again, they're happily raising their prices to offset those costs. And what's remarkable about that, and a lot of people, you know, they give you snide looks when you say this, is we're cool with it. People are very price insensitive right now, but it's true. You know, everyone was locked in for a year. They've got more savings and wages are going up. And people are like, you know what? I don't care if it's more money right now. I want to live right now. I want to pay for what I want to do right now and enjoy it because I just spent a year doing nothing or almost two years doing nothing. That's a huge dynamic that I think a lot of people aren't talking about enough. And it's very positive. Yeah, but look, right? What's happening with long duration assets, right? We had a big week this week in earnings because 30% of the S&P is tech. And tech's reporting their earnings. I mean, are they blowing the doors off or what? It depends, right? Facebook is dropping like a rock as we're recording this. And that's a variable you have to worry about the most, right? I mean, it's like Facebook is being hurt by the fact that Apple's platform, they changed their privacy settings. So now they can't target their advertising like they could before. So one change in Apple's policy is having a dramatic impact on stocks like Facebook, Snapchat. And that's why you have to be careful when you have these high valuation stocks, they're priced to perfection. One thing goes wrong they can drop quickly. Well, the thing I'm seeing is this huge spike in speculation, which makes some portfolios, what I would say is bubblicious, right? There's some bubbles building here. Like everybody wants to be in disruptive technology. Everybody wants electric cars. Valuation matters and the future return depends on the price you pay. I think there's plenty of opportunity in the market, but it's not the obvious places that a lot of small investors are piling into. I think there's going to be some 
tears about a year from now. I don't know when. I don't know when this bubble burst, but it's going to burst. Speaking of disruptive technology, Dad, I have a client of mine that really loves our former president. And as you may or may not be aware, he came out with his own social media platform that went public with a company called DWAC. And she insisted that I buy some stock for her. Well, that stock was up like 900% in a day, and it's already down 60% since, since when she bought it. Chris, are you telling me DWAC got whacked? DWAC got whacked, Dad. <laughs> the Trump's back is pure speculation, right? I mean, and that's what you're seeing right now, right? It's like we have so much money in the system right now, in the capital markets, and it has to go somewhere. And human nature just loves to go where they think the returns are going to be the best or the biggest, right? It's that, that greed starts to set in. And that's why you're seeing money go into these, like the Trump SPAC, NFTs, Bitcoin, because everyone's thinking, I want to make it big. I want to get rich. And that's where these bubbles get formed. And as we know, for every action, there's a reaction. So for however big some of these speculative assets go up, man, that downside could be really, really ugly down the line. You know, it reminds me of one of my old Bobisms guys. You know, past performance is 100% predictive of past performance. Doesn't tell you anything about what's going to happen going forward, but we do know that valuations matter. So if you're buying a stock that's at 200 times earnings, right? That's the price to earnings ratio. That's 200 years of earnings that you're paying for today that you think is going to be recognized in the very near future. You know, I have in a lot of great companies in the past, but very few of those work out in the short term. Meanwhile, there's plenty of opportunity everywhere else in the world, both in the US and non-US markets, value, emerging markets, developed markets, plenty of low valuations, plenty of opportunity to make money. You know, Rai, you said this the other day. There are bold pilots and there's old pilots, but there aren't any old bold pilots. Let's be old, not bold, and let's make sure we're putting our portfolio in the right place. Lots of opportunity, but plenty of landmines. Make sure you step in the right direction. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 58, Pain Points of Wealth. We have literally tripled our subscribership. It's going through the roof. We really appreciate the support. If you like our content, love our content, we want to keep doing it, but we need your support. So please, if you're listening on iTunes, give us that five-star rating. Leave us a comment. If you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to click that subscribe button. Click that little notification bell. It's going to be updated every week as new episodes of Pain Points of Wealth come out. Again, we appreciate your support. Show us some love. Forward it to someone else who can benefit from our daily, weekly financial content. Give us a like. Show us some love. Thanks for the support. All right, Chris and Bob, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And Bob and Chris, I want to talk today about financial fortune cookies. You know, when you go to the Chinese restaurant, and we know Chris just loves to get that General Tso's chicken, it's his favorite. It's probably why he's going to live like 10 years less than the rest of us. Nothing's better than the end of that Chinese dinner, Chris, and getting that fortune cookie and hearing the wisdom that that fortune cookie is going to espouse. So I thought we could take some of that fortune cookie wisdom that you always get when you open up your fortune cookie and apply it to your financial life. How can you apply that to our goal to be financially independent? Hey, nothing better than getting a fortune cookie to help you run your portfolio, but here we go. Crisis is opportunity riding on a dangerous wind. Wow, sounds great, but it reminds me of what Warren Buffett says a little more succinctly. Being fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. You know, we're emotional human beings, guys. It's so easy to panic when prices are going down or, you know, have that fear of missing out and overload your portfolio and what's going up the most. Yeah. And I think today, I mean, FOMO is a big part of it, right? Fear of missing out. And I think that's the problem with some of these more speculative assets. Like we talked about the Trump SPAC 
or you talk about Bitcoin or NFTs, it's like when everybody's getting involved in it, psychologically, we think, oh, we should be involved too. But the reality of it is, again, being fearful and others are greedy, that should be a sign to be very fearful of those asset classes. Like that's all dangerous territory. Like if everybody thinks it's a good idea, that's not good. Well, case in point, guys, I mean, we look at what, like 60 different new portfolios every single month, and they all have the exact same thing. They're all heavily overweighted in big tech. And it just goes to show you that everybody's thinking the same exact thing. And to dad's point, that can be very dangerous, especially if those things start to pull back a little bit. It also leads to like investment jealousy, right? You see people becoming extraordinarily wealthy, you know, buying an NFT, whatever the heck that is, or, you know, investing in Bitcoin or Ethereum or Dogecoin or Bobcoin. You think, wow, I should have done that. I should have taken that speculation. Maybe I'll do it now, even though it's really risky. So it leads you to make bad decisions when everybody else is in the green. You don't want to get green with Ebony. Yeah. We'll go to another Warren Buffett quote. It's like when there's more people going into this casino than going out of the casino, it all feels very safe and exciting. But we know eventually everyone's going to run for the exit. At the same time, it's like history repeating itself over and over again. All that beautiful marble doesn't pay for itself. (laughs) There you go. Some more knowledge from your fortune cookie. A feather in the hand is better than a bird in the air. I don't know, Ry. I think uh, birds are very beautiful when they're flying. I don't care. Why do you want a feather in your hand? I think the point is that it's better to protect what you have than trying to reach for the stars and putting everything that you have at risk. It was like Icarus who wanted to fly like a bird, right? Unfortunately, he flew too close to the sun and his, the wax melted and he fell to earth and crashed and burned. So that kind of happens sometimes when you're not being conservative, you know, when the valuations get pretty high. Well, it's almost like the old saying, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, right? And I'm seeing this a lot now too. I know a lot of people that money in Tesla or in Bitcoin, and they have like a million dollars or $2 million that they've created out of thin air. And the smart money here says, you know what? Just take your profits. I hit a home run. I'd rather be lucky than good. And let me put this into a diversified portfolio that's paying dividends, that's got physical assets that back it. But what happens is when you start to see your money like hit a home run is you start to believe your own BS. Well, that's why you have to have a diversified portfolio, guys, like having a spare in your trunk of your car, right? You know, why do you have a spare? Because the other tires aren't good? No, it's in case one of those tires goes flat. Not every speculation works out. No, you're right, Dad. Every speculation doesn't work out. As a matter of fact, I have a client of mine, one of his coworkers, recently retired because of all the money that he made on Bitcoin. And I asked my client, I said, well, you know, what's he going to do next? He goes, well, what do you mean? I said, well, what's he going to do with his Bitcoin? He said, well, he's going to retire off it. I said, well, is he going to sell it? I'm like, what's the next hot thing? And he couldn't answer my question. So I have a funny feeling if Bitcoin takes another one of its infamous swings that his buddy may not be retired anymore. Well, that'll help the unemployment numbers, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) So some more Chinese fortune cookie wisdom, accept something you cannot change and you'll feel better. And I think right now is a perfect example of that. We have so much uncertainty on our taxes going up. Are they going to pass another $2 trillion in stimulus? Is the dollar going to be worthless in a couple of years? Is inflation just going to destroy our purchasing power? Is the dollar going to be so weak that we can't afford anything, right? I mean, the list goes on and on. Hey, Rod, just think about Steve Moore who we do more money with every Saturday on WABC New York. And he asked you the other day, he said, yeah, I got a lot of money on the sidelines. I'd like to get in the market. When do you think this big correction is coming? (laughs) Never. No, you will get a correction at some point, but I think you can only control what you can control, right? And you know, our belief is when we build portfolios is you account for every risk that could possibly happen. If we have more inflation, great. Well, we have commodity exposure. We have energy exposure. Chris, you just mentioned those pipelines we have in our portfolio as protection. Well, if we have a market correction, well, great. Then you have bonds in your portfolio that add as a ballast when markets go down. So if you cover all your basis, I find 
That's what helps you sleep at night and not worry. It's like, let's just address this head on and let's make sure we always have a strategy in place for whatever happens, not just one scenario. Well, to use a Bobism, Rye, the markets have been going up since 1776. And another one is, I have charts and graphs to back me up. So, beep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what, Chris? I couldn't say it better. It's like, you know, invest in the market you have, not the market you want. Because if you're waiting for the ones you want, you may miss the boat. Yeah, well, that's a perfect example right now, right? Everybody's waiting for this correction. I'm just going to put my money in if the market sells off. But what if it doesn't? It hasn't. There's a good chance it won't. You got to get invested. You got to get your portfolio built for every scenario that can possibly happen. That's the only way to ensure you're going to grow your money over time and build that plan from financial independence. Well, here's another one, guys. A foolish man listens to his heart. I'll tell you what, one of the scariest phrases I hear when I talk to my clients is, hey, Chris, you know what? I'm really feeling, et cetera. Oh, I know. I just have a gut feeling that this is going to happen. Don't use your gut feelings when it comes to investing. It's never right. How many times have we met with someone in the last 10 years and they said, well, I had this gut feeling in 07 and I got out. Well, you never got back in. What happened to your gut? What good is it if you got out and you missed a temporary decline, you missed out on the permanent upside? I mean, you're talking about, think about the country's wealth was $70 trillion back in 2007. Now we're $150 trillion. You missed out on a double because of your gut. Well, I'll tell you, if that doesn't give you an ulcer, I don't know what will. They weren't wrong just early. (laughs) Good investing is building a strategy that defends against your gut. So you can't let your gut make decisions. Like That's how you build a really good portfolio. Hook you guys up with some more Chinese fortune cookie wisdom. Don't let statistics do a number on you. It's like paralysis by analysis. And you know, I find this too with all the financial media out there. And Bob, you and I do our show on Saturday. And a lot of statistics get thrown out there that when you do the research, they're not even correct. So like I've heard that well, during the 70s, when we had hyperinflation, stocks went down 50%. Well, you know, got to do some research on that. You know, what stocks went down 50%? And did you account for dividends? And did you have international stocks in your portfolio? Do you have energy in your portfolio? A diversified portfolio didn't go down 50%. And in fact, if you factor in dividends, I think you actually made out okay. So it's like, you know, a lot of these numbers get thrown around like they're real and they're true, and they're actually not. Yeah, you know, Rob, you have a lot of that in the financial media, right? You have urban legends, you know, you have statistics that are urban legends. They sound great, but they're not true. It's kind of like eating Chinese food, guys. It uh, tastes really good going down, but a half hour later, you do feel empty. Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast along with some due diligence on your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach and you've saved over $750,000 for retirement, myself, Bob, and Chris will put together for you our total financial master plan where we literally go through everything for you. There's no other firm out there that does this kind of work up front. We'll go through every investment that you own. We'll look at the fees you're paying. We'll look at tax optimization. Where can you save on taxes? We'll do a full income and savings plan to make sure you're saving enough to make sure that you have a portfolio that you can live off of in retirement, whether you're close to retirement or on that journey, when to pull from Social Security, but essentially safeguard and protect and grow your money to make sure that you're on your path to financial independence. If you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, see if you qualify for a free financial review. Go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for this free, no obligation review, www.paincm.com slash financial plan for a free complimentary financial review.
Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 58, Pain Points of Wealth. We've literally tripled our listenership every single month. We're continuing to grow it. Thank you so much for the support. If you like our content, love our content, please give us that like. If it's on iTunes, give us that five-star rating. Leave us a comment. If this is on YouTube right now, subscribe to the channel, click that notification bell, click the like button, and you can be notified every week of our new content. We appreciate all the support you've been giving us. Your support helps us to continue to do this podcast every single week. Anyone else that could benefit from our content, feel free to forward along as well. Okay, gentlemen, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, tech employment has surged in New York City between the year 2000 and 2020. The number of tech employees in the city grew from 108,000 up to 167,000, while the number of financial securities firms employees actually shrank from 190,000 down to 176,000. Since the Great Recession in 2008, the five largest banks in the U.S. collectively shedded nearly 5.5 million square feet of office space in Manhattan, whereas over the same time frame, Google and Amazon have acquired 6.5 million square feet of office space. Finance is moving out. Tech is moving in. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, right? It kind of not only balances out, but actually brings more people to the city when everybody declared the city dead this time a year ago. But you know what I found amazing is like how much square footage of restaurant space is now in the street. You know, I was up there the other day to visit you to visit, more importantly, my grandson Liam. And you know, you can hardly drive around Manhattan because all these restaurants have put seating with this plywood and two by fours, built these lean tos in the middle of the street. So is that square footage accounted for? I don't know, but it seems like you know there's a lot more people in the city than you're seeing on the nightly news. Yeah, it's actually incredible. You know, you heard New York is dead. Everyone's fleeing the city. Financial firms are leaving, which they are, but they failed to mention, well, guess what? All these big tech companies are moving in. I'm here in Manhattan. It's having a rebirth. New York City never dies. Chris, WeWork, which failed spectacularly when it planned an initial public offering a couple of years ago, merged with a SPAC, BOEX acquisition, for a market cap of $9.5 billion, which is only a fifth of the anticipated value of its aborted initial IPO. Man, oh man, that took a haircut. Well, you know what, Ryan, in my mind, when you have to go public through a SPAC, that's kind of like a workaround than actually going through the right way. So I always think anything that goes public through a SPAC, you should run away from and not only run from, sprint away from. So Chris, what I'm hearing here is you're not putting it all in on that Trump SPAC. (laughs) I really missed the boat on that one, I think. I'd rather have my money in Bobcoin, but that's just me. Plus, Bob's got way better hair than Donald Trump. Bob, speaking of the devil here, digital world acquisition, DWAC, jumped over 800% after the SPAC said it would merge with Trump Media and Technology Group earlier this month. Man, oh man, it's crazy out there. Yeah, it really is. I mean, as we spoke earlier, when Chris was speaking of his client who wanted to invest in that company, we said DWAC got whacked. I mean, think about it, guys. Five days ago, this thing traded at $175 a share. And as we speak, it's 54. How would you feel if you just bought something at $175 a share five days ago, you just paid for it, and it's at 54. You're feeling not so smart right now, I guess. But you know what? There's no speculation in the market right now. There's no bubbles being formed. You know, Bitcoin, NFTs, it's all on some really, really sound economic theory. It's not just the fact that we have all this money to gamble on. You know, just saying. All you got to do is ask an 18-year-old who just bought some Bitcoin, right? <laughs> That's right. We're tough on Bitcoin. Chris, home prices are up a record 19.5% in the past year, according to Case-Shiller data. However, home prices were removed from the official prices index owing to political and statistical issues. If they were still included, inflation would be running at a 10% clip rivaling the early 80s when Bob had the same hair. Go figure. 
Hey, Ryan, a client of mine was down in Avalon, New Jersey over the weekend. They're looking for to buy a beach house. And they looked at a house that had just come in the market that day. It was listed for $6 million. By the time they walked out the door, the house was already under contract. That same house sold for $4 million a year ago. So it just goes to show you, real estate's really inflated right now. Yeah. Inflation is real and not transitory. And of course, if you've been listening to Pain Points of Wealth, you would have known that a year ago. So well done, gentlemen. Another great show today. Thanks again for your support. If you like our content, love our content, please give us a like, give us five-star rating on iTunes. If you're on YouTube right now, subscribe, click on that like button and click that notification bell so you can be updated of our content every single week. Another great show. Have a great week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at bebullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,